0: Welcome to the Very Merry Life podcast, unfiltered, unscripted, and always relatable as fuck. I'm your host, Mary Hendricks, and you might know me from Instagram as that relatable AF mama who hopefully feels like an old friend at this point. And if not, hang tight and join in as things get real, honest, and probably a bit too TMI as I, and the help of some amazing guests, dive into all things mom life, marriage, sex, and more. No experts, just real life moms talking real life things. So get ready to laugh lots, cry occasionally, and leave feeling seen, supported, and inspired. Making friends is hard enough as an adult, let alone as a mom, but all of that changes right here and now. So hang on, lean in, virtually clink whatever glass you have nearby with mine, and let's go. Hey, hi, hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode of The Very Merry Podcast. Today, you are just getting me. I'm actually getting myself ready for the day, which this is why it's nice with a podcast. I can just have my mic set up. I can talk. And we're going to talk like – we are FaceTiming. That's kind of how it goes. Uh, You just are hearing my voice and not seeing my face. That's okay. Anyway, I wanted to use today's episode to share my birth experience with you, more specifically with Cassidy. Uh, Obviously, that's going to impact my other two birth stories with Haley and Spencer. But I really wanted to share Cassidy's birth experience because... holy shit is basically the way that I can describe that entire experience. It was my first birth experience. It was a shit show. And I wish I had known so much more in that moment than I did. Obviously, I learned a lot from it. And that's the reason why I want to share it. However, I have to put a trigger warning. If you are currently pregnant or expecting, I would highly recommend not listening Only because I don't want there to be fear in your mind about this. That's the biggest thing that I learned more so with Spencer uh, when preparing for his delivery because of the trauma that we had experienced in the first. I really wanted to make sure that that wasn't going to impact my experience with him. And I really pushed any scary stories out. And it's not in order to stay naive or ignorant, it's more just to keep yourself in a good and correct headspace so if you are currently pregnant or expecting I would just tread lightly on this episode uh, I know our our morbid curiosities kind of get the he- the you know the best of us there's a reason why we rub our neck on the highway when we see a crash <laughs> uh, it don't do that to yourself though so with that being said I want to tell you about having Cassidy so my pregnancy with Cassidy was fairly easy. I felt great. I was 27 at the time. And was I 27? Yeah, 27 at the time. And I felt Great. I was personal training still. That's what I did as a career before becoming a stay-at-home mom. And I was working out. I was instructing people how to work out themselves during pregnancy and also postpartum. I was taking my knowledge and incorporating it into my pregnancy. There were no contraindications. There were no problems, nothing of the sort. And when the day came that I went into labor, I went into labor two days before my due date, I knew it was the real deal. It happened on its own. I had contractions about every five minutes. They were very, very consistent. They were not spotty at all. I knew what was happening. There was a there was a big difference. If you are pregnant for the first time, again, tread lightly on this episode, but if you're pregnant for the first time and you're concerned as to how to tell when you're going to be in labor, you will know. Let me just tell you that. If you're second guessing it, Chances are it might just be Braxton Hicks, but if you are in true labor, you're going to know because it is unlike anything else. It's hard to even explain that feeling. I remember being told before I ever had kids that it was like a really bad period cramp. No, it's not. No, it's not. I don't even know how to explain it at this point because you almost get amnesia, which is probably why... I have three children. (laughs) I don't know what happens to you after you have kids, but that's probably why I have. Uh, And I just know that I woke up that morning with diarrhea. So, fun fact diarrhea. And then I felt really crappy. I took a nap on the couch and then I went, woke up uh, and took a shower, came out of the shower. And all of a sudden it hit me like a train and it was like, whoa. And I called Kevin. It was. Uh, three days, four days before Christmas. So I called him. He was at a holiday party and I said, you need to come home. And we went to the hospital. It was about 4 p.m. And from there on out, I was three centimeters dilated, I think. Nothing crazy, but I was zero centimeters dilated two days prior at my, I think, 39-week appointment. So anyhow, went to the hospital, did my thing. Labor went normal. They didn't have to give me anything. They hooked me up to the monitors, had to switch side to side, to do the peanut ball. I went as long as I could uh, before getting the epidural. I think I made it to about five centimeters or so, which you can can get an epidural whenever the hell you want. Even if you are nine or 10 centimeters, if you can sit still long enough, they can place an epidural. So if they tell you no, fight for it. Just fair warning. Um, So we went into that, but I have to tell you this. I never prepared myself for labor. I just kind of followed what my mom had always told me, which was you went to labor, you went to the hospital, they put that epidural in, you felt numb, you pushed the baby out, you went home. I didn't prep for anything else, nothing at all. Uh, there was no possibility in my head that anything different other than that exact thing would happen. So I didn't take any classes. I didn't educate myself on breastfeeding. I didn't educate myself on birthing positions. I took Zero preparation courses at all. Uh, and so when I got my epidural placed, it kind of became a shock to me that it wasn't working. And it was working for a little bit on one side, but the other side still felt everything. So it was a mixture of pressure and pain, some relief, like for an hour or two. But then after that, it was just incredible pressure, like a bowling ball was going to fall out of my butthole. It was awful and i didn't know what that was like i just thought something was wrong with me i i did not understand the fact that you are going to feel like you have to shit <laughs> when you are ready to push a baby out so i i labored for about 12 hours or so and then it was time to push and again everything was looking good baby's heart rate was good and i was feeling good and We started pushing, but by that point, all the epidural was gone. So I had prepped zilch, like I said, for that pain, for that pressure, for that moment, and I felt every single damn thing. The ring of fire is a real thing. When someone tells you that, holy shit. Holy shit. Again, this is not to scare you. You will get through it. I lived through this. You will forget all about it afterwards. Um but anyhow, so I pushed, and from the time they start told me that I was okay to start pushing to the time that Cassidy was out, it was about five minutes. So that was really quick. She was ready to go. I don't think I realized how ready I was because I was laying there um, just with this godforsaken bowling ball falling out of my butthole feeling, and I didn't realize that that was her head. <laughs> so... It was. I mean, that's pretty darn good. You hear about women pushing for a long period of time. That was my, not my case. However, what ended up happening, it was seven thirty. So that's not really a great time uh, to be pushing, because that's usually shift change in a hospital. So the nurse that I had working with me stayed on while the new nurse came in, and just as Castie's head came out, the ring of fire. You know that feeling, kind of. Did okay. I remember screaming, God help me. (laughs) Not kidding. And her head came out. There was slight relief. And then all of a sudden, I remember seeing the nurses' faces and the doctor's face. And all of a sudden, everyone looked at each other and someone panicking and hitting a code blue button that they have in the side of the room. And two other nurses coming in, probably right after that button was hit. It felt like a hundred people came in that room, and it was probably because it was the staff that was leaving and the staff that was coming. Everyone just flooded that room, and I had four people lift my legs back towards my shoulders. I had two people pressing on my pelvis, and I just remember hearing a lot of noise. I remember crying because the pain was extraordinary. Um, it, it, you all understand why the pain was extraordinary. I was scared out of my mind because I didn't know what was going on. No one was telling me anything. Kevin was standing next to me holding a face mask over me with oxygen because they needed the oxygen as much as possible. Again, I didn't know why. Uh, And it was because I had something called shoulder dystocia. uh, Or the baby had something called shoulder dystocia, which essentially is when the baby's head is out, but the shoulders get wedged into my pelvis. So she was kind of like fitting a square peg through a round hole. That's exactly what her experience was like so with that happening they I don't really know how much time it took but all I know is they had to do an episiotomy I remember feeling that uh and I know there was hands up in my my vagina like there was actual physical arms in my vagina again epidural is not working so just keep that in mind uh and someone's pressing on my pelvis in order to hopefully dislodge her shoulders I don't know how long it lasted it wasn't that long Uh, considering it was like a very quick pushing session. But the moment she came out, I remember them lifting this baby and I saw birthing videos before this. I saw babies coming out and they're covered in that white goop. (laughs) I forget what it's called. Um, Covered in that white goop and they place place the baby on your chest, all those things. That didn't happen. That did not happen. Instead, they lifted her up because of the episiotomy and because of whatever tearing I had going on there. Cassidy was covered in blood, in Straight up blood It looked like the scene out of Carrie Straight up blood they Lifted her She was limp and blue She wasn't breathing And they immediately brought her to that side table um, Where they tried to resuscitate her And I just looked at Kevin Asking why isn't she crying Why isn't she crying Why isn't she crying And I'm getting really upset Saying this right now um, I didn't think I would get upset This is what birth trauma does she started then crying about a after about a minute um and kev went over took pictures and for a sec i like just felt such relief because i thought my world was over completely over um and uh they kev took his pictures i thought that that was going to be it and they were going to bring her over to me and they came over and said you know we're going to bring her down to the nicu um her arm, one arm wasn't moving. They didn't know if she would have any breaks because that's very typical with a shoulder dystocia. Sometimes accidental breaks happen in the collarbone or arm uh, or even part of the neck. It's awful, but that can happen. And sometimes it's on purpose. Sometimes a doctor, if they cannot get the baby out, they will actually have to go in and break the baby's collarbone in order to kind of compress them to get them out Uh, They didn't have to do that, thankfully, but they, again, wanted to bring her down to the NICU. Uh, But also her APGAR scores, which is, like, I don't really understand an APGAR, but it's essentially, like, they check their coloring, their movement or something, and they give them a score, and it kind of gives them an idea as to how they are. And hers, usually I think, like, a good one is, I don't know, above a seven. Someone can correct me on that. Um, But hers was, like, a one. So if that tells you anything, on a sliding scale, hers was a 1, while the best should be like a 10. That's how bad casty was. Um, her, her breathing was really rough. So they brought her down, and I thought it was just going to be for observation. Um, and I said, okay. I sent Kevin with her. And because of the shift change, everyone had to leave. So they stitched me up, from what I remember. Uh, they told me, my doctor, remember, patted me on the leg. She's... Two taps on my thigh and said, "C sections from now on, no ifs ands buts." She didn't even explain what happened. Um, She just said, "C sections from now on for you," Uh, and then she finished stitching me up and she said, "Take my word for it. Don't look down." So that was really reassuring. Um, I again, I had tearing that I was told about, and I had a episiotomy. So I was just basically told, don't look down there. Um, You knew that my epidural didn't work because I had one nurse come in about 10 minutes later, and I had asked her, I said, can I please go to the bathroom? And she said, well, no, if you had your epidural, you're not probably going to be able to walk. Just use the catheter. And I said, no, no, no. I don't want the – like, I don't want you to place a catheter again. I would very much like to go to the bathroom. And I got up, walked, and she said, wow, your epidural didn't work. And I said, nope. So – did that but in that 10 minutes before that nurse came in for me to use the restroom, I was alone. Because the doctor stitched me up and she left in order to you know, explain the situation to the new incoming doctor. The nurses that were with me then all had to go out in the hallway in order to transition over to the new shift change, all of that stuff. So I was alone. I had my phone in my bed with me because when you're laboring, you have your phone with you and I called my mom alone. Literally 5 minutes after Giving birth. My mom, I picked up the phone. She said, Hello, like all excited. And I just started crying. And I said, I don't know what happened right now. And she said, Well, where's the baby? And I said, They took her down to the NICU because things aren't good. And my mom's like, Okay, well, we're going to come. And, um, Thankfully, they did because they ended up not just keeping Cassidy for observation. They ended up keeping her there for the entirety of our stay uh, because she ended up having an apnea episode when she got down there where she just completely stopped breathing. So I'm glad that they did. The NICU at the hospital was fantastic, but it completely uh, I, I got to kiss her head. Before they took her down to the NICU. That was it. I didn't even really get to see her face. Um, so they moved me to the postpartum wing where they go. I was without my baby. Again, I didn't prepare for this. So I just kind of laid there. And when my mom and my sister arrived, I was in shock at this point. And my mom looked at me and said, have you seen her yet? And I said, no. And she was like, well, what the hell? So she went to the postpartum nurse, asked her. And the postpartum nurse was like, of course she can go and see her. But no one thought to tell me that at all. Um So my sister offered to bring me down and wheeled me down there. And I just remember being in the wheelchair and I felt so terrible and I didn't know how to say it to anyone. And I knew I could say it to my sister, not that she was a mom and would understand, but I knew that she would listen. Um, I didn't have the love at first sight. Everyone prepped you and having this baby and prepped you and told you the moment you see that baby, oh my God, prepare to fall in love. Well, guess what? That baby came out looking like a demon because she was covered in blood, and she was then whipped, ripped away from me. I didn't have a fucking love at first sight moment. Instead, I had a shock, traumatic experience. But even if that hadn't happened, like, I just went through a major life event, and I just birthed a thing that I knew existed, but in reality... Kind of felt just like a thing you talked about. Didn't feel like it was actually going to ever happen. I know that sounds weird. The birth of your first child is just like a very like what the fuck just happened moment. So I was kind of like that. And my, my sister was wheeling me down. and I just started crying. And I said, you know what, Catherine, I feel I don't feel like I'm in love. And I feel like if you wheeled me out of this hospital right now, I wouldn't care. And my sister said, "You just need to see her." And sure enough, the moment I did, it all changed. Um, and even then, when I saw her, I I loved her because I knew she was mine. But I didn't love her for anything else, really, because she's a new person. So if again, if you're listening and you're pregnant, <laughs> I hope don't let this shit scare you, because the shoulder dystocia incident is very rare. Uh, it does. There's no way to prepare for it. I would talk to your doctor though, if you are, and just ask them what happens in a situation like that, should that arise, make sure that they are familiar with the procedure, make sure they are up to date in how to handle situations like that. Um, and, you know, feel good about your provider. But what I'm saying is if you're pregnant and having a baby, just know that it's going to take time, you literally just birthed an entire person. It's okay if you don't really know who that person is. It's going to take time, and I'm here to say that. It took me about a month to, like, truly love my daughter, and it took me even longer with Spencer and with Haley for some – whatever reason, because I think she was my third and I was familiar with this, it was pretty darn quick. Um, I also think because she looked like Cassidy for some reason, it, like, was a little bit quicker. It was weird. Um, But anyhow – That was my experience. Uh, It was a very shitty experience. The hospital was a great hospital. They took very good care of my daughter. Um... And I'm very thankful for that. But there was a lot of information that I just was not relayed. No one even told me I could try and breastfeed Cassidy. They immediately started her on formula without even asking me. Um, It it was a very frustrating first-time experience for being someone that was not educated enough. And for that reason, the reason why I like to share my story is because I wish so badly that I had better advocated for myself. And I think... I could look at it and regret the things that I didn't do, and I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm just going to take them as a learning opportunity in hopes of inspiring others to do the same. Advocate. They say advocate like a mother. Advocate like a mother. Even if you haven't had your baby yet, you advocate, and you figure out what's going to happen. You you figure out your team and talk to your team. And you could create a birth preference sheet, not a birth plan because nothing will ever go to plan a birth preference where you can list out what you would prefer. And that could be anything from epidural, intervention, cervical checks, um, monitoring, uh, birthing positions, where you would like to birth. Uh, you can talk to them about your C-section. That's where it came in handy. I had a C-section with Spencer and Haley because of my shoulder dystocia incident. I have a higher likelihood of that happening again. I know that there was a chance that it wouldn't, but there was also a chance that it could. Uh, And I chose to have a C-section with my two consecutive children because I could not, the risk was just very scary. But the thing I did different this time was I worked with midwives and not, not to say that OBGYNs aren't, good they are you just I wish I had done better research in my OB because I didn't do that the the way my OB treated me was not very great I didn't really even get to know my OBGYN I don't think they even knew who I was they just knew that I was a patient on their roster and that was it Um, but they didn't treat me very kindly and I have an even worse story about them which seals the deal (laughs) I should share it I'll share it here they basically tore me up. When she told me not to look down, there was a reason for it. So I had an episiotomy, but I tore uh, in ways that you – I never knew you could. I had a second-degree tear, a perineal tear, epi- episiotomy, but then I also tore my labia and my clit, torus. I shouldn't call it a clit. Your clitoris. Isn't a weird f- fucking word. Anyway, that's where I tore. And uh, no one told me. And not only that, no one stitched me. On My labia and my clit. So I now have a very fucking deformed vagina. And I realized that about four days after my delivery, because I woke up in pain. uh, And I think it was because I must have sat up and opened up the wound, uh, not a stitch, the wound, because it was probably healing. And I looked down, finally, for the first time, despite doctor's orders not to look down and realized what was happening. And I went to the doctor the day after Christmas on December 26th, and the doctor who was on staff that day said, you know what, I'll try and stitch you in office. And I, being the fool I was, said, okay. So a nurse came in, they tried to numb me up, which in that area, considering all the nerves that you have in that area, took about six different lidocaine No lidocaine shots, um, which in and of itself, imagine getting a lidocaine shot six times in your clit, okay? Are you cringing? Are you cringing? Are you holding your vagina right now? Me too. They did that and then they proceeded to recut and resew me together. And uh, that didn't end up holding. So now I have an even more deformed vagina, which when I talk to my midwife staff now who I have, um, they can't believe that story. And what they tried doing. And when I told my OB – my new OBGYN who works with my midwife practice um, that story, uh, he can't even believe it. And he's a man. Like I, I, I'm i wary about men doc OBGYNs. I just – I don't know. I feel like I want to talk to someone who has a vagina. But he was fantastic and he was like, I can't believe they did this to you because he can repair it. Thank God I'm going to do that at some point soon. Mom is going to get a brand new vagina. Um, he's going to do that, but he cannot believe they even tried to repair that because the where they were repairing and what they did with how like intricate that area is requires full general anesthesia. So that's what I will be doing next time. So all of this to say, this is my first birth experience with Cassidy, and it was an epic shit shell. Can you tell? Fucking awful. Fucking awful. I didn't expect to get as emotional as I did, but I wanted to share this. I'm sorry. This is so like, such a down thing. I learned so much about this experience. Like I said, I don't like to look back and think of regret. I like to think of how I can move forward because there's nothing I can do to change the past. Regret won't do anything for that. Um, Instead, I can just use it to thrive in the future. And that's what I did by advocating for myself. Even though I got a C-section, which may not be the preference for everyone, I was able to work as a team with my practice, my midwife practice, um, and form a plan and have a birth experience that I really, really loved. I loved my C-sections and some people get shocked when I say that. And while the C-section was rough and may not be the ideal delivery for everyone, um, just being a part of it and knowing that I had some sort of control and some sort of say made all the difference. And that's why I want to encourage you because even if your birth experience goes really shitty, um, just knowing that you're working as a team with your medical providers and feeling like they listen to you and feeling like they heard you despite how your plan may have shifted, it's going to make a big difference in how you view Your birth experience. Because let's say you go in and you are wanting, you know, this dream birth of being in a bathtub and blah blah blah. And all of a sudden it turns out that you need a C-section for whatever reason. If you feel like your provider really truly fully respected you and went and followed your wishes as best as possible until there was no other choice. You're going you're gonna to feel really good about that. You might be disappointed. That's totally normal. Uh, you might still grieve that birth experience. I know that I am. Um, I still grieve it. But you're going to feel better about it. And that's why I want to share this because women don't advocate for themselves and especially during a birth experience because it's so new to us because we've never done it before um we tend to feel like we don't have a choice, we don't have a say and we do. Uh we always do and it, it's important for us to use our voices for that matter. So that's my experience. Um I wish I wish so many things went different but it didn't and it's my hope that by sharing this something will go different for you. So um if you experience birth trauma, I would love for you guys to comment uh, and and message me on Instagram and share your experiences. I would love for you to leave a review and sh- tell me what you thought about this episode. Um, and share your share your thoughts uh, and share what you wish you had known about you know pregnancy or what you wish you had known about birth because there are so many and I'm gonna have to cover this another day about like what I wished I knew about you know more specifically pregnancy, not so much the birth, but this is a big portion of me as a mom this this was my my start as a mom and this it says a lot it also says a lot as to why my daughter's theme song for life and the da- and the music i plan on playing for her when she turns 18 and getting a piñata of a wrecking ball will be miley cyrus's and i'm going to put like or maybe i'll get like a piñata of my vagina yes And my Jean <laughs> I need this microphone taken away from me. It's no different than my phone, guys. Anyway. Hope you enjoyed that episode. I'm out another episode down and way more to go. But thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support this podcast, I would love for you to subscribe. I'd love for you to share it with others and post about it on your own social media or leave a rating and review. I cannot tell you how helpful and how appreciated those things are for me. Of course, to catch all the latest from me, you can follow me over on Instagram at The Very Merry Life over on TikTok The Very Merry Life. And even if you wanted to check out my monthly newsletter, you can do so by subscribing over at theverymerrylife.com. I'll see you next week. Stay tuned for more honest, raw, real chit chat. I have some amazing moms lined up coming on, and shit's gonna get fun. So buckle up, Buttercup. It's gonna be good.